Hello and good evening once again. Another episode of Tether to the Cross. How's everybody? How are we doing, Sam? What's up, people? How are you, Anthony? I'm a little worn. I don't know why I didn't get enough sleep last night, but I, you... I know I slept, but I don't know. Old. I just woke up tired. Yeah, yeah. Getting old. Whatever. I feel you. <laughs> I got a one-year-old that... Uh, I know. He wears you out. Feeling, I think he was feeling his growing pains last night. Probably. We kept uh, mommy and daddy up last night. Yes, sir. So, uh, today we're going to be tackling a very uh, well-known subject, I believe, to all believers, which is doubt. Um, we all go through it. And I know I've had my my bouts of doubt, um, even, you know, I think it's just a part of life. You know, there's certain things that we go through where we have uh, an assurance of something and then it doesn't, you know, doesn't pan out and then we doubt later on. But in the Christian faith, um, you know, you want to think and you want to believe that you have no reason to doubt because we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on our side, right? We have God, we have Jesus Christ, our Savior who died for our sins and, you know, has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, as it says in Peter. Cannot Um, be snatched from his hand either. Right, and we cannot be snatched from his hand. But yet, I think it's it's part of our sinful nature to, to doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to tackle that subject. We're going to talk about a few things. Um, I actually have a quote here from a preacher from, uh, his name is Henry Drummond. Um, this quote, I found it and it, it, it's pretty much perfectly describes, um, doubt, uh, scripturally, biblically, I believe it's just his commentary on, on the subject of doubt. And he says, Christ never failed to distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is won't believe. Doubt is honesty. Unbelief is obstinacy. Doubt is looking for light and unbelief is content with darkness. So he makes a distinction between doubt and unbelief. And I mean, being believers, do you think that we deal with moments of unbelief or is just just doubt? I mean, I think, I, think I mean, with the way he puts it here, I think he makes that clear distinction. I mean, if we're not believing, then how can we, you know, put our faith in something? Mm-hmm. Because you're being, like you said, doubted. Um, unbelief is obstinacy. So you're mm-hmm. purposely not wanting to believe. And he mm-hmm. says unbelief is won't believe as opposed to doubt being can't believe. So we're going to go into our text today, which kind of, I kind of segued into it. Because here we, Jesus is dealing with that type of situation where it's a, a unbelief doubt um, situation. So we're going to look at uh, tonight, Mark chapter nine verses 14 to 29. Let me get to my Bible here and get there. As you can tell, I'm prepared tonight, right, Sam? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy. I had had my Bible open. I know. And I didn't bring my Bible. I'm using, I'm using my, my iPhone. I'm sorry. That's all right. It's blasphemy. Just kidding. You're so electronically savvy in your age. Yeah, yeah. I got to keep up with these kids. (laughs) (laughs) So Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. This is the scripture of Jesus healing a boy with an unclean spirit. And um, starting at verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. And scribes arguing, arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able. And he answered them, Christ answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his um, father, Jesus asked his father, the boy's father, sorry, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, 
have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him <clears throat> and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And some translations adds prayer and fasting. But um, yes, that is our text for today. So I kind of want to give you a short <clears throat> exposition of Mark. So in this passage, Jesus, Peter, and James, and John are, are walking down the mountain and are going to meet up with the other nine disciples. Um, so if you recall in another story similar to this, Moses came down from God's presence on Mount Sinai. Uh, notice it was a faithless and arrogant and argumentative people of mm. Israel. Um, and fast forward to this setting, Jesus comes down from Mount Hermon from his transfiguration to encounter a similar situation to a faithless and argumentative people. So the scribes were arguing with the disciples. Um, in verse 16, Jesus asked the scribes, what are you, or why, what are you arguing with them about? Why are you arguing? And the scribes stand in silence and notice someone from the crowd speaks in verse 17. And this is, this is the father. The father, right? Yep. And he says, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whatever, whatever, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So the, this, this father has dealt with this, the son with, um, that has a demon in him for quite some time. Um, if you recall in Matthew seventeen fourteen and, and Luke nine 38, I'll go there really quickly. The other gospel stories of it, um, 17, 14 of Matthew. Uh, and he came and when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. Hmm. For often he falls into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And then in Luke 9, 38, um, same, same scenario. Mm -hmm. uh, and behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and, and shudders him, and he will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Mm. So... And Carrying Jesus. on in verse 18, mm -hmm. we see what the argument is about. We see what has happened. Jesus, or the Father says, I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able to. So the man comes, and he's upset because he has asked the disciples of Jesus to minister to his son. Mm -hmm. And they failed in their ministry. So the disciples couldn't drive out the demon. So the scribes see the failed attempt and are mm. mocking the disciples. So next, see the response Jesus gives to the disciples in verse 19. So remember back in chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus gave the 12 the authority to cast out demons. So what happened? Hmm. Well, Jesus answers that question in verse 19. He answered and said to them, O faithless generation. Jesus has like a holy frustration here. He says, how long shall I put up with you? So like this several times when he said, O ye, little, o ye of little faith, bring him to me. Mm -hmm. And he says, it, he says that at the end of verse 19. So Jesus is, is R.C. Sproul has a great quote on this. He says, Jesus is lamenting not the lack of power in his disciples, 
but the lack of faith. Hmm. Faithless generation, how long do I have to put up with this? You have been with me. Your eyes have seen what angels wanted to look at, and still you are faithless. Hmm. Humanly speaking, it weighed on Jesus that he had to exhibit such forbearance with his own students. And not to mention the multitude who had also observed his ministry in this world, and still people walked around without faith. Hmm. So they carrying on they brought the boy to him and jesus asked his father how long has this been happening to him and he said from childhood and it has often cast him into into fire and into water to destroy him but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us and jesus said to him if you can all things are possible for one who believes and immediately the father of the child cried out and said i believe help my unbelief so Jesus honored this man's honest faith by casting out the demon and making him whole. So though we might admit most of us identify with the Father, mm-hmm. you know, my faith seems strong one day but weak the next. True, very true. Strong one minute only to fail the next. Right. <laughs> I often take, you know, I often take my faith for granted. So everything's going well, trusting God is going easy, but then a crisis comes and the old doubts threaten to shake me. Hmm. You know, I, where is God? Yeah, uh, I have moments like that. Can I trust him to act? What is he doing? Why is he moving uh, more quickly? When faith trembles and feels weak, what should I do? What should you do? And sometimes, I know I've said this, does God even care about me? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's I, this is something I, I discussed with my wife last night um, as we were looking over this, and uh, she had the question about you know talking about faith and how can you have doubt and faith at the same time, and I think that that doubt and faith kind of um, in a way goes together because your your I guess your doubt kind of brings about faith because if you're doubting. Um, in a way, you have room for your faith to grow. Not saying that doubting is a good thing, but yeah. in, in your doubts, you have room for your faith to go. Because Christ said that, you know, if we have faith just the size of a mustard yes. seed, we can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. So we have room with our doubts for our faith to grow. Not saying that that's a good thing, but in a way it is because it it gives us that, that growing room. You know what yeah. I'm saying? As opposed to unbelief, that's just totally out of the picture because you don't yeah. want to believe and you have yes. no faith at all if you're unbelieving. Yes, exactly. You know, if you're unbelieving. So, you know, I think that doubt is a part of the growing process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to, to me, I, I, I guess it's healthy in a way. And healthy, unhealthy? I don't know. Well, I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves that, mm. you know, I, for example, uh, when I lost my job, mm-hmm. um, back, I think it was three years ago, I, I got laid off. Right. And, I mean, there was a, a point, it's not, it's, it's not necessarily I didn't trust God, but I doubted, you know, am I going to get through this? Is God going to get me through this? Right. You know, and uh, luckily... I've had elders that would encourage me to pour into me men of great wisdom to say, Hey, you know, this is a season of life. God is still sovereign over this. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. You know, you, you can't see the big picture. You can only see what's in front of you, but God is in control and he's using this. Mm -hmm. You know, you might see it as a failure. You might see it as, you know, we might see it as the biggest thing, the most tragic thing that happens to us, but it should never lead us to doubt in his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we do. We do honestly do doubt God. We do. Um, and that, and yes, it is, it is a sin to doubt and not trust mm-hmm. in God. And I think, I think when we are so clouded with doubt, mm-hmm. That it can lead to unbelief. It can. If it goes, I yeah, if it goes unchecked, 
I, I, I definitely hear you there. If it goes unchecked, if we're not, um, if we go on doubting and if we allow our doubt to push us into a place of isolation, because I, you know, there's several things that we'll discuss later about the, the ways that we can battle our doubts. And one of them is, is, is fellowship, you know, mm-hmm. fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and Absolutely. coming to church and hearing the word of God and being encouraged. Because if you isolate yourself, yes, that doubt can't fester into unbelief and you just totally, yeah, you know, forfeit. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest with you, there's people that struggle with so much of their past sins that they don't, they don't oh, yeah. know that the fact that they are in Christ that their past, present, and future sins are forgiven, that they are justified. Yeah. And they let the weight of that condemnation, um, man, does God really love me? Yeah, causing the does doubt of salvation. I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've been there, you know, the way I came into to know Christ, you know, I've had thoughts of what if that day didn't play out the way that it did? And, you know, would, have, would, I, have, would I have ever come to Christ? Would I have repented of my sin? You know, and I always think about that, and sometimes it causes me to, you know, kind of doubt my salvation or even question. Yeah. You know, and like you said, it's like the sovereignty of God. We can't doubt that because it happened. <laughs> you know, it happens, and since it happened, we I understand now that yes, it was God's sovereign will that you know His Holy Spirit moved upon my heart and and regenerated me and caused me to repent of my mm-hmm. sin and to come to faith in Christ. So you can, I can think back on that day and replay it a million times, but this is what God's sovereign will was for that, you know. So I always, when there's doubts about salvation and things like that, you know, things like that, you look back to those moments and to help you, I guess, as far as, you know, thinking about your salvation and things like that. I mean, there's different things that we doubt. um mm-hmm in our in our walk with christ so yeah. um that and quote then, by charles spurgeon you got there yeah um spurgeon <laughs> put it beautifully when he Excuse said me. there is the sun i do not know how many thousands of times the sun is bigger than the earth and yet the sun can yet the sun can come into a little room and what is more the sun can get in through a chink so christ can come in through a little faith a mm. mere chink of confidence, like the smallest the part, smallest the sun, of, can, yeah. the light can come through. Mm. Um, so the problem, back to the passage, the problem is that we think Jesus only deals with people who have it all together. Mm. And, but it's the opposite. Jesus gives grace to those who acknowledge their need. Mm. And when Jesus challenges him, the father says, I do believe. Help, help me overcome my belief. Help me believe. So do you realize what he what he's saying? He's saying, "Help me just as I am, a doubter." Mm-hmm. He does not plead based on how you know how he has it all together because he really doesn't, and he realizes right. that he has nothing to make himself worthy. He has nothing to offer. He has nothing to offer. No, and I and I guarantee this guy that this father has been with his son. I mean, for a long time and has dealt with him for a long time, yeah. and he was probably desperate. I'm pretty sure he loved. He was his desperate enough much. to go to his go right. to the disciples. Yeah. So he, and he doesn't say, "Please heal my boy," based on how much faith I have. Instead, he pleads for mercy and throws himself at Jesus's feet. So true faith is always aware of how inadequate it is, mm. and Jesus calls him to trust him. and And he had every reason to believe without making, you know, a crazy decision that Jesus um, did the, have the power to do something. He he wasn't sure, however. Mm-hmm. That Jesus would. So, in fact, um, he, you know, Jesus was compassionate enough to use that power mm-hmm. to heal his son. Yeah, because he said, if you know anything is possible with God, yeah. and he yeah. he responds honestly. He says, "I believe. Help thou my unbelief." Mm. KJV version. Yeah. By uh, Barnabas Piper says, I believe, help my unbelief. You know who Barnabas Piper is? It's John Piper's son. No. (laughs) Uh, Anthony's silly over here. Again, Barnabas Piper says, I believe, help my unbelief. That simple sentence is the key to the struggle, the ups and downs, the winding 
road of belief. In a breath he expressed the highest of heights, the strength of virtue, the emptiness of doubt, and the yearning for something under which he could hold. Hmm. So, if you recall 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what does it say, Anthony? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's right Remember, there. I'm dealing with my... Oh, it says to walk by faith and not by sight. So, Paul, <laughs> Paul writing to the Galatians in chapter 2 says, We live by faith in the Son of God. Yep. Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. And faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm. So, as Christians, we believe and we live by faith. Faith is the is basically the main feature of, of the life of every Christian because we have to put our trust entirely in what we cannot see. Mm. So, we trust in a God we, we have not seen. We trust in Christ we have not seen. We trust in a Holy Spirit we have not seen. And we embrace a death and resurrection we have not seen. Hmm. We trust in justification and we look for a fulfillment in eternal heaven which we have not seen. Hmm. And Peter describes um, that this way, we, we love the one we have not seen. Mm-hmm. And so we live by faith. And it's not blind faith, it's a faith based on evidence. And, and the evidence for our faith is what anchors our faith is the scripture and the word of God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could we could get in a whole discussion of, of the evidence of faith and, and the the theological term apologetics. Right. Um, I think, I mean, I have my varying opinions on apologetics, and I think it is great for Christians to study apologetics. I right. think it builds up. It builds up our, your, your confidence, your confidence, and your faith. Um, but it's not the gospel. No, it's far from the gospel, and it's, and it's not something that substitutes for you preaching the gospel. I mean, you may come across atheists, you may come across other people that do not know Christ, and they want to give. Have you given evidence for your faith? I mean, First Peter says, "Always be ready mm. to give a defense for your salvation." Um, and it's good to know these things. It's good to to study up on these things. But these these theological evidences that are true are not vital. Right. Um, yes, there is evidence for Christianity. And there is support to Christianity. Um, it's there, but it's not in replace of the gospel. Right. I mean, the basic thing about apologetics is just basically pointing out the 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 other person's worldview and i guess tearing apart their arguments so to speak and i guess uh tearing apart not tearing apart their arguments so like aggressively but as basically showing the uh the absurdity of the worldview and then from that moment that point that's when you you deal with logic right yeah it's 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 a lot to it but yeah so I mean, like I said, there you know, um, this episode we're not here to deal with no. the apologetic realm or the evidence for Christianity, and maybe way down the road we can get into a few of those because there's a lot of evidence to support Christianity. Um, I want to leave with you Sproul um, on this passage. He says, "Everybody who is a Christian has some level." of authentic saving faith in their hearts but the level of our faith is not constant it waxes and wanes it increases it diminishes we move from faith to faith from life to life from grace to grace Mm. i don't care how strong your faith is there are moments in this world where your faith is assaulted by the enemy sometimes your faith is like hanging on by your fingernails and you make the prayer that this man this man made to jesus Mm. i believe but mixed in with that belief is unbelief. Mm-hmm. My belief isn't perfect. My belief isn't pure. My belief may be weak. I need help. Help my unbelief. So when you are assaulted with doubts and your faith seems rocky and frail, tie yourself to the mast. Mm. Go to the source of faith. Go to the word of God. There is no time in my life that my faith is stronger than when I am immersed in the word of God. 
staying close to the word, listening to the promises of your Redeemer, looking to Jesus, these are the things that build a powerful faith that won't let you down in the midst of affliction. So, guys, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Right. Amen. For for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm. Absolutely. That is that is where our confidence should lie. That is where our faith should lie, where our assurance comes from. And that should blow away. I mean, it like Sproul was saying here, we go from grace to grace, faith to yeah. faith, you know, it's 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 part of our walk. So yeah. you know, like you know, saying earlier, some days we're high in the clouds, yeah. feeling great, you know, we have all the faith, you know, in the world and then the next day we're in the valley in the mud (laughs) (laughs) what was me what was me feeling sorry for ourselves because you know something happened but yeah yeah that was good and the the glorious reality is that it's not the strength of our faith that causes Mm -hmm. god to do anything it's you know god loves us even when our faith is weak and feeble and he delights in us even when we are tottering on the knife edge between faith and unbelief. Yeah. You know, we're going to have times where we doubt. We're going to have times where um, we have a lack of faith, but it's just like our, you know, it's like our salvation. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we do that we can earn it. There's nothing we can do to get more of God's favor. Right. It's There's no amount of work we can do. There's no amount of anything we can muster up. Nope. The same thing is, there's no amount of faith that we can, you know, muster up. We're all going to have wavering, wavering faith. We're all going to have something. And the enemy is always going to make you doubt. The enemy is always going to make you doubt the word of God and the promises of God. Yeah, planting those seeds. And these are the things that we need to go back to is the word of God and the promises of God. Yeah. So can, can I share a yes. talking about the assurance of our salvation? I found a uh, a good article here, and uh, on Ligonier, uh, it's by John Tweedle, Tweedale. I don't know how to pronounce Tweedale. Great theologian. Great theologian, expert on John Owen. Tweedale. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's about it's called Doubt and Assurance, and it's from the from the from an article in the Table Talk magazine from July first of twenty sixteen. Long time ago. All right, so the quest for full assurance of salvation has long plagued the people of God. Many Christians place their faith in Christ alone for redemption, but still live with doubts about their standing before God. For these dear saints, the tension between doubt and assurance can be crippling. A crisis of doubt can happen to any follower of Christ. Even the mightiest of preachers can lack assurance. John Owen once confessed to a colleague his own struggles with assurance of God's forgiveness. Quote, I myself preached Christ some years, he admitted, when I had but very little, if any, experimental acquaintance with access to God through Christ. Although he preached Christ, he felt little of Christ in his life. But after a season when his soul was oppressed with horror and darkness, Owen said things began to change when God graciously relieved my spirit by a powerful application of Psalm 130. For Christians who are shaken by doubt, few passages in the Bible are as stabilizing as Psalm 130. As Charles Spurgeon notes, the psalmist climbs from the depths of anguish to the heights of assurance. The psalm typifies the experience many believers face when confronted with uncertainty about their faith. At least four points of application can be drawn from this text concerning the nature of doubt and assurance. First is the depths of doubt. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Verses 1 and 2. Doubt concerning one standing before God can sink even the most mature Christian into into an abyss of discouragement. This kind of spiritual doubt may arise from a number of reasons. Perhaps as a result of studying scripture or sitting under faithful preaching, your conscience has been convicted of patterns of sin in your life. Maybe you're under, maybe you're enduring trials that have caused your confidence in God's provision to be rattled. It is also possible that your doubt is a result of unbelief, 
and a lack of trusting in God's promises. In times such as these, we must be reminded that the Lord of heaven and earth delights to bend down to hear the cries of his people. His mercy reaches into the abyss. So from the depths of woe, to borrow from Martin Luther, Martin Luther's paraphrase of this psalm, we raise our voices of lamentation, knowing that he hears our supplications. Secondly, the paralysis of doubt. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. That's verses 3 and 4. The discovery of indwelling sin accompanied with an understanding of what that sin deserves is an unnerving experience. If God demands clean hands and a pure heart, one look at our hands and our hearts will reveal that none of us is qualified to stand in his holy place. The only way to ascend the Lord's holy hill is through the gateway of his forgiveness. Psalm 133 and 4 functions much as Romans 7 and 8 does for the Apostle Paul. Verse 3 encapsulates the crushing weight we feel under the guilt of our sin before a holy God. Verse 4 expresses the freedom we have to approach God, not on the basis of personal merit, but by, but by but divine forgiveness. And only the grace of God can liberate us from the spiritual paralysis wrought by our guilt. Faith's discovery of forgiveness in God, Owen reminds us, is the great supportment of sin of a sin perplexed soul. <laughs> Third is the delay of assurance. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. That is verses five and six. The psalmist recognizes that his hope rests not in himself but in God's word. The repetition of watch and watchman underscores the need for vigilant patience. We must actively hope in God's word and patiently wait for him to comfort us. Assurance is rarely immediate. But as the watchman awaits the morning sun, so we wait for the Lord with eager anticipation. And fourth is the hope of assurance. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Verses 7 and 8. Our hope is that the covenant Lord will most certainly come to those who wait on him. When he comes, he brings steadfast love and plentiful redemption to deliver his people from every last one of their iniquities. Hope in God transforms the psalmist's doubt into, into assurance. And assurance is not essential to have faith in Christ, but it is vital for the well-being of our faith or of your faith. As a Puritan Thomas Brooks observed, to have God's grace and to know that you have his grace is to experience heaven on this side of heaven. That's beautiful. The beauty of assurance is that it brings the benefits of heaven down to earth for God's doubt-stricken people to enjoy here and now. That was pretty good. I like the, the last line. It says that, you know, to know, to have God's grace and to know that you have his grace. To have it and to know that you have it is to experience heaven on this side of heaven. Mm. That is the beauty that assurance brings. Puritans say some they got wonderful some things, stuff, man. man. I love deep. it. Deep. Yeah, man. So there's, there's the, the I guess the good part about doubt is there's assurance on the other side. That when yeah. we're reassured in God and God reassures us through... Mm -hmm. You know, prayer and the word and mm -hmm. and the preaching of the word and ordinary fellowship. Means, man. The ordinary means of grace, that assurance, when that assurance comes, you know. The fact that there's always going to be assurance. Always, exactly, side. exactly. So, how do we deal with doubt? And I've got four things that, on here that I think will most definitely help us with doubt. Um First and foremost, prayer. Yes, sir. Brothers and sisters, if you are dealing with doubt and trust and even unbelief, the first thing you need to do is be on your knees. Absolutely. You need to be on your knees before a sovereign and holy and magnificent God who knows 
everything, who's omniscient, right, knows your circumstance better than you. Yeah, knows everything that's going on, and he is sovereignly in control, and and he's not aloof to what you're feeling and to what you're going through, and and he's not aloof to the doubts he's ha- that you have. Yeah, because and he's um, wanting you to trust in him. Yeah, Peter says what to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely prayer. And <laughs> that's another, you know, part of doubt that if you, if you're doubting to the point where you don't want to pray, yeah, that'll go, that'll lead, also lead to unbelief. I mean, if you don't, if you're not trusting the sovereign God who is in control of all things, you know, you, yeah, yeah. That's a and you're, you're not gonna make God that, mad either by you being honest with him about your doubts. Like absolutely not. God's bigger than that. I mean, he he knows what you're gonna say before you even before say you it. Before you even say it, exactly. I mean, he's not yeah. gonna be. Oh my goodness, Anthony, you <laughs> doubted me the other day. What? I'm what shocked. in the world? No, no, he's not shocked by our doubt. He's not Mm-mm. shocked by anything we come to him with. I think that what we're learning in our in our reading of uh, Gentleman Lowly is that. He wants us to mm. come to him. You know, he Absolutely. desires that. That's his. That's his heart. Is to is to um, is to bend his ear. He's not. Yeah. He's not like you that's, said, aloof. That's he, the thing that Satan is going to speak into our ears. Is he's going to say, you know what, God, you, God's not going to want you to come to him. God's not going to want you. You're not good enough oh, to man. go to God. Yeah. You know, you're unworthy. You're unworthy. You're, these doubts you have. I'm sorry, but uh, you know you're you know God's incredibly disappointed in in yeah. you for having these doubts. And no, I mean that's when you tell the devil, you know what, you're right. I'm going to him anyway. Yeah, he <laughs> can be like, devil, go get your dentures because you're untamed. <laughs> yeah. So we got We gotta go. To, we gotta go in prayer. We gotta be on our knees. And I'm not, guys. You don't have to. Pray an exuberant, lofty prayer to God. God knows your heart. He just wants you to be honest. Yeah. You know, you can't, God doesn't, you know, miss anything. His, his eyes are all seeing. He knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows, for crying out loud, every hair on your head. Yeah. Um, and he, he's there. He cares. He wants, you know, for you to trust in him. And I, and I think a lot of times in our lives, the reason why we go through struggles and we go through, you know, valleys and everything like this is ultimately our sanctification. But God is removing everything for us to trust in him, that he is enough, that he is more than what enough. we need more than the fact that he's a good giver. You know, I mean, he, he gives us good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. But is our hope in the gifts? Is our hope in what he's given us? No, he wants us to find hope in the giver. I mean, that's that's how he's going to be glorified. That's and that's how he's going to be magnified. That's how he's made much of. And that's how he's made much of. You know, when his children come to him, when we... When we see him as the great God that he is, when we see him as the loving father, you know, to to us through Christ, then, yes, he's most glorified. Yes, he will hear your prayer. Yes, he does hear our prayers. He does. You know, and, and yeah, doubt will hinder that, you know, in a way, but it should it should motivate you when you're doubting to push you to pray to push you to your knees mm. you know it's like uh i always think when we talk about simple prayers i always think about the publican in luke um 18 i believe it is luke 18 where he's standing off in a corner not even looking up to heaven he's beating his breast and just saying lord have mercy on me a sinner just that simple prayer mm. and what did christ say he went home justified mm-hmm. as opposed to the pharisee who was you know, saying, God, I'm glad I'm not a sinner like this guy yeah. over here. And, you know, he doesn't need all that. It's a mm-hmm. simple prayer. You know, you don't have to be yeah. uh, 
I know all the big theological words, you know, mm. Lord, thank you for my justification and <laughs> I am not super lapsarian or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and, yeah. um, yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, we kind of give a template of prayer, you know, how to, how to approach God in prayer. Um, and one of our episode called acts, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And, I'm not even saying you have to do that. I mean, it, you have to go to God in this. I mean, there, where else do we go? Where else can we You know, go? as, as what was it, Peter says? Peter, where, who, yeah, for who, else, for who else will we turn to? You know, the, yeah, there's, not, the there's nothing that we can find our hope in apart from Christ. Nothing. Mm. There's, there's no amount of um, joy that we can have satisfaction that we can have pleasure that we can have that is apart from our joy in the lord Mm. and we have to go in prayer we have to to lay down our pride in that moment yeah and and be on our knees to the one who is in control yeah he's greater than our doubt his 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 word is greater than our doubts I mean, we have to push that aside and and come to him, you know, even in those moments when we feel, oh, ashamed. You know, what is there to be ashamed of? He sees everything. Yes. Yeah. He sees you. He saw you in your worst moments. Yep. You know, when we were sinning and doing yeah, the worst things that we did. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the thoughts that we have in our mind, the worst yep. thoughts we have in our mind, he sees it all. So yep. there's no need to be ashamed to come to him, you know. Yeah. So anyway, your your sin is not. For those of them <sighs> that that are in Christ, that are new creation, you know their sin is not keeping them from God loving them, right. from God hearing them. Right, absolutely not. Um, God is not surprised by what's going on. Not at all. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add on the prayer? Um, no, I think, I, I think, uh, I think that's, I mean, more can definitely be said, Yeah. but I think we can move on to. So the second thing, second thing that you must do, and Anthony alluded into this very well. I'm good at that. Um, on how to, on how to deal with doubt as a word. Indeed. Um, I've got two quotes that I want to read that are fitting for this. So unbelief, this is Stephen Chalmers, um. Unbelief is an intelligent turning away from the word of God. Hmm. It is not rooted in ignorance, but in negligence. Unbelief is an intelligent turning away from the word of God. It is not rooted in ignorance, but in negligence. Sam Storms says, simply put, defeat doubt by immersing your your mind... (laughs) And the word of God, this is the ordained means by which the spirit will indelibly imprint on your heart the joyful and undeniable assurance that what God has said, God will do. Mm, so we got to go to the, not only got to go to prayer, but after you, immediately after you pray, you go to the word of God. Yeah. There's nothing else that we need. There's nothing more certain. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing more certain. There's nothing else that we more need be- because the word of God is sufficient for all our needs. There's no oh, let me add this on to the word of God. <laughs> let me uh let me do these few other things that somebody says about the word of God. No, it, it is the word of God that we need to go to, that we need to marinate in, that we need to spend our our minds soaking in immersing ourselves in the word of god why because there's nothing more sure than the word of god right look at all the promises of christ Hmm. you can be reminded of the promises of christ the fact that he would never leave us nor forsake us that none can be snatched from the father's hand right that he hears our prayers that he you know speaks upon our behalf 
that the Holy Spirit is, is the one that gives us the hope and assurance. Right. Dwells, he, he indwells us. He promised us the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to indwell his church, his people, so that we can have that assurance. So that way he will lead us and point us always to Christ, to the word. You know, so we can have that assurance when we go through those moments where we have the doubt. And um, when we pray to God, we speak to God, and how God answers us is by His word. His word, right? Not some thoughts in your head, yeah. not some voices, not the colors in the sky. No, it's yeah. He speaks to us through His word. When you hear God word, speak, read the Bible out loud. All right, exactly. Um, yeah, His promises are true. I mean, the 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 word of God is full of his promises, both, you know, promises given and promises fulfilled. I mean, that's basically the basis of the Bible. The Old Testament is the promises made and the New Testament is the promises fulfilled in Christ. Mm -hmm. So we have his words more sure, as Peter said, you know. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, his word is, you know, hearing the word, reading the word, not only reading the word, but also going to church and hearing the word preached. Mm -hmm. That is also essential. Yes. Um, you know, we mentioned we had an episode talking about the church. So we're going to flash back to that for a little bit and talk about the essential, you know, the essential means of grace is one of them is going to church and, and hearing the word preached and the word exposited and, uh, and preached in context and, you know, uh, giving the, the meaning of text, you know, so that's an, another important aspect of the word. <laughs> Excuse me. It's ordinary means. I mean you I mean all this is going to is tying in of what we want to encourage you if you're dealing with doubt. I mean it's mm -hmm. prayer, it's being in the word. Part of that being in the word is is you know not only being in yourself but being being part of a church that preaches the word faithfully so you can so you can be around other believers, um, and that that can encourage you, that can uplift you, that can that can exhort you. Mm -hmm. um, so we got to, we have to go to the Word of God. We have to spend our time um, trusting in the promises of God. Um, you know, when we want answers to our doubts, mm. our answers are going to be found in the Word of God. Yeah, it's not going to be found in anything else. Um, but the word of God is our foundation. The word of God is what we stand upon. And nothing else will will satisfy that. Nothing will satisfy our longing or, or our um, waxing and waning heart. But no. to trust in the promises of God. Nothing else will give us the truth. Yes. As God words, as God words does. You know, mm -hmm. we can look for truth. You know, how a lot of uh, this new thinking that we need to find our truth our truth and our inner light and you know no the truth is outside of us the truth is what god gave us you know in his in his word that's what truth is you know jesus said in uh in, in john 17 17 he said sanctify us by your word you know sanctify us in the truth your word is truth mm -hmm. so we find truth in god's word you know there there's a lot of lies in the world a lot of false things, false teachers, false this, false that. The only truth foundation that we have for truth is his word. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't trust a lot of voices that are speaking in our ears nowadays and the news and the politics yeah. and stuff like that. And not to get into that, but we, we can't listen to those. We yeah. have to measure all those things by the, the word, word of God. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Like in the Old Testament, the, the word of God is the plumb line. It's the the measurement of what we go by, the mm -hmm. standard of what we go by. Right, it's standard, not, exactly. Yeah. It's not anything else that we, you know, well, I'm going to read the word of God and what the world has to say. No, you see what the word has to say and see what God has to say because God is the authority. God is um, the one in charge. God is sovereign over all, and he's, you know, he's all-knowing, and for us as Christians, we, we can't get our wisdom, we can't get our um, knowledge apart from the Word of God, which is the bread of life. So, 
prayer is vital. The word of God is vital. Um, fellowship. I mean, we've got to we've got to be in fellowship with one another. There's no there's no like I've said before, there's no Lone Ranger Christian. And to think that you are the only one that's dealing with doubt, to think that you're only one dealing with struggle, you're not the only one. Right. And we need to be surrounded by people that are going to encourage us, that are going to point us to Christ, that are going to lead us to these things that say, hey, you need to be in the Word of God. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in church and surround yourself with believers. Right. Um, we've got to have fellowship. Yeah. And I, I know that's hard for introverts. I like doing things on my own. I get it. But Except recording podcasts. I <laughs> except for, yep. I understand that I need other believers in my life. I need people to come alongside me and and preach the gospel to me. Yeah. And encourage me and and pray with me and and empathize with me. I can't do it on my own and and to spring um spring me on to holiness um and sanctification. So we yeah. have to go to people and be around people because um, you can have conversations with people. You can be like, hey, I'm really struggling here with doubt. I'm really struggling with the sovereignty of God. I'm really struggling seeing how God is working in, in the lives of believers. You know, right. I'm really dealing with this right now um, and to have conversations, you know, to, to kind of be in a safe haven with, with other believers to you know, where other believers can be honest with you, you know, like yeah. I've, there was a time where I lost my job, you know, I mean, to have conversations about that. Yeah. Um, we need to feel that, that this is a safe haven. I mean, granted, and my wife is texting me right in the middle of me recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need to, I think on that point, we need to also make sure that we're making each other feel safe because yes. I know my personal experience is you're you're in a church and you don't feel safe mm -hmm. you know to share your doubts or share certain things because you know in the back of your mind you feel you're going to be judged because you see everyone else you know doing so well and this and that and the other i guess i should silence that sorry that you know people are doing well and you're you're doubting like you said the sovereignty of god and the provision of god and all these things and sometimes you don't want to come to another person because you're you know then not only is there doubt there's also fear because you know you're worried about what that other person is going to think or what that other person is going to say or they might say something so is it's a lot of that so i guess to to speak to that to say we also should make sure that we're um allowing each other i guess to say to be able to come to each yeah, other to be make vulnerable. us be vulnerable yeah. and make each other feel safe enough to yeah. be able to express because we 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 understand that we are all sinners we all struggle with sin mm -hmm. with doubt with fear with this with that and the other so in understanding that about each other it should make us more um open to speak and you know i guess to encourage each other and to speak into each other's lives about whatever we have going on in uh, in our lives in our with our doubts and fears and and sins and what we're struggling with and be able to pray with one another and you know yeah. and that's what the fellowship of believers is 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 about and you only get that here you know yeah in church, you know, so again, come to church. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, me and Anthony can roast each other all night. If all we day long. To, but when it comes down to the fact is, you know, like he's my brother, you know, we need each other. We need, um, you know, we need to be honest and open, you know, with the only thing that we struggle, the sins that we struggle with, with the doubts we have, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're closer than blood. You know, we're a family, we're citizens of heaven and we're going to spend eternity worshiping, the glorious king um, 
together and we're mm-hmm. united by that one common denominator. Yes, right. we're both sinners, but we're both saved by the grace. And what a great God. bond that is. Yeah. I mean, we could disagree on a million other things, mm-hmm. but the bond that we have in Christ is stronger than any other bond that mm-hmm. we could ever have in common. Absolutely. You know, you like comic books. I like comic books. That's great. But we both love yeah, the Lord and, and the Lord loves us. And, you know, it's not superficial. It's a deep spiritual bond that we have that mm-hmm. transcends everything else. And, you know, whatever disagreement we have, we can always agree that, you know, we have Christ yeah. in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Another ahead. thing that I want to, sorry to interrupt you, Anthony. Another thing that I want to say too that I really feel like the devil tempts you on, tempts us on, is to think, you know what, Anthony's going to think I'm a piece of crap because I deal with this stuff. Like, mm. like you're not growing in in your walk with the Lord if you if you're struggling with doubts or yeah, you know. But that's that's the thing is you know we all have different degrees of of growing in our sanctification yeah. all of us have our different areas of where we struggle with and our walk right. and every one of us have struggled with similar things mm-hmm. but we're not alone we can't we you know we can't allow somebody to think that we're going to preach condemnation and that and that does happen that's where like you were talking yeah, about happens, where yeah. you know there can be a hurtful um situation where you know, somebody's pouring their heart out to you and you're incredibly judgmental. And, right. you know, God forbid you that you do that. Like, you know, I mean, we got to be able to trust trust one another. And yeah. I'm not saying Anthony's perfect. By no means he's not. But he's still... Hey, you take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, did I hurt you? No. I cut good. you deep. No, I mean, we have to, we have to express the, the love of Christ. The That's fine. I'm good. <laughs> we have to express the love of Christ for one another. We yeah. um something uh we we said in our small group last night um uh Miss Debbie pointed out I guess oh she was saying that we need to be like some people say we need to be Jesus to one another. Mm-hmm. But we can't be Jesus to one another because only Jesus is Jesus. Yeah. We can express the love of Christ and we can you know show, you know, we can show the love of Christ, but we can't be Christ for someone else. Yeah. So in in that respect, what we do is in showing the love of Christ, we're pointing each other to Christ. Yes. Right? When we're in our doubts, we're pointing to him. Hey, yeah. what you having doubts about this or that? Okay, well, you know what? Let's pray. Let's pray yes. to our Lord. Let's yes. pray to Christ. Let's pray to him together. Yes. And together we'll come to him and we'll we'll battle this. Absolutely. You know I mean? So that 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 there is also a beautiful a, thing of fellowship. That's yeah? a proper way of doing it. Yeah. That's the way it that's the way it should be. Uh-huh. So prayer, the word, fellowship, being with other believers. Um, and what else ties in all this too is, is a fourth point is, is preaching the gospel to yourself. Yeah. Um, I know there's people out there that, that struggle with, you know, sins that, that keep the that keep them so grounded um, to the fact that they can't trust in what Christ has done, mm-hmm. that they, they doubt, will God ever forgive me for, for my sins? Will right. God ever, you know, I've, I've sinned so much. How can, how can God forgive me for these things, even as a Christian? And to understand that we, that if you've repented of your sins and if you've placed your trust in the work of Christ and trust in Him alone, that you are justified. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that you take sin lightly, and I'm not saying that you, you know, don't pursue righteousness and, and try to kill sin. But what I'm saying is, your sin does not is not who defines you. You're not defined by no. the old slave master anymore. Right, you are exactly. a new creation in Christ. And it's understanding our union in Christ um, that we are a new people. We are now citizens of heaven. We are sojourners or pilgrims passing through this through this earth yeah. on our way to heaven. You know, that is our destination. And it's only by the grace of God that we are um, <laughs> we are white as snow. We are yep. uh, his Christ. bride. We, you know, His he blood. wraps us in robes of righteousness. Yeah. Um, 
to know that, to know that Christ has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future, and we have to preach the gospel to self. Yeah. And part of preaching the gospel to self is trusting in the promises of Christ. Um, you know, yeah. like we've we've said earlier, you trusting, know, trusting that He, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you know, we need to know that we need to preach that to ourselves. Um, I know earlier I quoted. Uh, Hebrews twelve two, but the verse before that twelve one, you know, speaking of you know from uh, Hebrews eleven when it talks about all the all of those who came before us, you know, they call it the the Hall of Faith uh, chapter. So twelve one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses of those who came before us who walked out this faith let us also lay aside every weight and sin which mm -hmm. clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of god that is something that we all as believers need to remember that we are not lone ranger we're not going through this alone that 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 there were many many before us who had doubts i read earlier john owen a man who wrote many books and preached christ and there were times even when he had his doubts i'm sure charles spurgeon had moments of doubt mm -hmm. when he was going through his suffering suffered depression um, greatly you know he suffered depression he had gout he had all kinds of things um, going on with his life and there's many 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 other believers you know even now um, that go through things that probably a lot of times in their lives in the days of their lives go through doubt but one thing we must always remember that we have that great cloud of witnesses and and, and in having that we need to lay aside those weights those things that that weigh us down and the sin <clears throat> and the sin that clings so closely, um, it says in Hebrews, and let yeah. us run with endurance. Why? Because Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. That is what we need to remember. When doubt creeps into our mind, remember those things that Christ went before us, that many went before us, but the one who went before us, the main one who went before us is Christ, who suffered for us and paid a great price so that we might be free from from the penalty of sin. And one day we will we will be free from the uh, very presence of sin and be with the Lord forever. Yeah. So we're coming close to the end. We're at a already at an hour my man already an hour yeah time flew man. <laughs> i mean we can go on for two we could yeah and then our wives would be but like where are you at yeah. <laughs> why are you gone so long <laughs> we need to be home no this is a great this is a great um subject to talk about and i mm -hmm. hope and pray that you know that's someone if one person is encouraged by this then yeah. We've done our work for the Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's the Lord that does the work. He's the one that changes hearts, and you know, oh, but He uses us weak vessels, mm, imperfect as I am. True <laughs> <laughs> that. So we want to wrap this up, my brother. We do. Um, we will. Uh, it'll be a surprise what we talk about next. Yeah, we'll keep it a surprise. We're not going to tease anything. We're gonna. We're gonna keep you in suspense. Yes. <laughs> Talk about it. Um, no, but in all honesty, if you're dealing with doubt, if you're dealing with with struggles, guys, um, I would hope that you would trust your elders. I would hope that you would trust your pastor. You go to them and and talk with them, or talk to somebody um, that is a mature Christian that um, that is a brother that someone you know will listen to you. Mm -hmm. um, don't don't be afraid don't let the devil to give you a, or let the devil have a foothold in in your life you know come mm -hmm. to them um you know ask them to pray with you ask them to read the word with you but mm -hmm. 
got to be active in in doubt. Um, yep. Because there is there is assurance on the other side. There is definitely assurance on the other side. And it is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, we hope you guys have a great night, and we look forward to um, doing this again. Well, we meet again. Good night. Good night, y'all. God bless.